It feels so good to say, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. I've been out of the pulpit since Family Bible Week. July 19th was my last Sunday to preach and I've missed uh, so six Sundays in the pulpit, the most I've ever been out of the pulpit since 1998. And I missed three of those Sundays altogether. So it's a wonderful feeling to say that Colossians 3 can be found on Pew Bible. Thank you. Pew Bible, page 1167. Pew Bible, page 1167. Now, I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to preach this morning because I ran out of voice yelling at the football game, cheering on Dan McGonigal and the West Branch Warriors on Friday night. But my voice came back yesterday. Tom Hampton gave me some advice this morning. He says, this is coming like going back to the gym. Make sure you only start with five minutes, and then next week you can work up to ten and, and 15 beyond that, and no more than 15, he said. Don't strain yourself. So, so thank you for all the advice. And we're now going to start a new sermon series, a new sermon series entitled, Working for the Lord. Working for the Lord. And the first message in that series has the same title, Working for the Lord. Now some of you are wondering, Whoa, wait a second, what happened to Romans. Aren't we going to finish Romans together? It was one year ago this weekend that we embarked on our study of Romans, but we only got as far as chapter 13. In fact, it was June 13th, last time I was in the book of Romans with you. So we still have three chapters to go in Romans, and I promise you to get to it someday. I told you once that I wasn't going to go into Romans and never come out like some preachers do. Little did I know that I was going to leave it and almost never come back. I want to put Romans on the shelf for a few more months. Maybe in January we'll come back to Romans in the new year. But the Lord has been stirring in my heart a desire to preach on the topic of work, labor, vocation, calling, the workplace, the marketplace, our jobs, the kind of things we tend to do on Monday through Friday. We're going to give the stuff that we give ourselves to for most of our week. And for months, I've been planning to start that new series on Labor Day. Do you see what I did there? Right? This weekend, and then go through the fall. And since this is the weekend that the Lord has seen fit to raise me up again to preach, I decided to go ahead with that and start that new series. So instead of trying to catch everybody up on Romans 1-13 through and get back into that groove right now, I want us to turn the page and start something new. Working for the Lord. Now let me say a little more about this series before we get into this week's message in particular. Because some of you may be worried that this sermon series does not apply to you. Perhaps, for example, you are a second or third or fourth grader. Raise your hand if you are a second, third, or fourth grader. Yes, I know you're in here. That's right. Our children's church only goes up through first grade, so I know that we've got second third and fourth graders in the room with us each Sunday. In fact, I have a note that I have posted right above my computer every Sunday when I type the sermon that reminds me that there are second graders listening to each of my messages. And I try hard to make sure that the messages I preach can be understood and applied by a second grader. Not every word. In fact, many of my words will be over your heads. But that's normal when you're learning things. We all need to stretch. 
But these messages on work will apply to you in your job. Second graders, what is your job? Your job is being a student in second grade. Or if you're in third grade or fourth grade or or college. It's also the jobs that mommy and daddy give you to do around the house. This sermon series is not about being employed. It's about working. It's about effort. It's not primarily about getting paid. It's about what God says about our labor, our work. So, some of the rest of you are retired, right? Amen. There we go. This series is about you as well. Or if you are your own employer, or you're now unemployed, not being paid right now, this series applies to you too. If you are a homemaker and no one ever pays you for all of your back-breaking labor, this series is for you as well. And of course, it's also for those of us who have a regular job too. I have a few goals for this series. One is to encourage you in your work. To celebrate you in your work. God made work for humans. We're going to see that next week. And I've been convicted that I haven't done enough work at celebrating your work. I feel like you celebrate my work all the time. You set aside a whole month for pastor appreciation. It's almost embarrassing how appreciated I feel. Especially this last month when I wasn't able to work for you. But I don't feel that I've done enough to appreciate and celebrate what you do. At EFCA 1 this past year, I went to a series of talks on connecting Sunday worship with Monday work closely associated with this book called Work Matters, Connecting Sunday Worship to Monday Work by Tom Nelson. We also have this book in our church library. I recommend it. And I was already planning this sermon series for the fall, but my eyes were just completely open. My, my mind was blown away by all of the biblical teaching and rich theological reflection that they were offering. I came home with pages of, of notes in my conference handbook. I couldn't write them fast enough. And one of those items was just simply appreciating your work. That as a pastor, I need to understand more what you do the rest of the week and celebrate it. But also, secondly, my goal is to teach you more of what the Bible says about your work. Because the Bible has a lot to say about work. It's not just a minor theme in the Scriptures. Over the last couple of decades at Lance Free Church, we've offered a lot of Sunday school classes on connecting your faith to work. It's one of the themes that we, co- we circle back to. I went through my library yesterday and noted resources with titles like, Your Work Matters to God. You remember when we did that one in Sunday school? And A Man's Guide to Work. And Created for Work. I remember when the youth boys went through that one. And our basic training that the men did. Remember basic training, guys? We had a whole module on biblical principles for work. Your interns this summer studied a book with me called Becoming Worldly Saints, which had a lot of teaching on how the Gospel intersects with our work life. And I've preached on this subject whenever it came up in the Bible book we've been studying. But this is the first time I've preached a whole series just on this theme. And there is so much to share. There's about stuff about working hard, 
about ethics, about witnessing on the job, about calling and vocation, about work and rest. There's that whole theme of rest in the Scripture too. About greed and money, about prayer on the job, about doing our work with excellence. There is so much to learn about. And, and I know that you have questions about it too. I put out these survey sheets and there's still some back there in the foyer. And you guys have been giving me questions about what you would like to learn about biblically as we go through this series. And one third and last goal I want to mention is to empower you with grace to do your jobs. See, you need to know that God cares about your work and God wants to give you the grace to do your work in the way that He desires. I don't want this series to beat you up about what you're doing wrong. I'm sure there will be some parts like that. Sometimes we need that uh, beat down, don't we? Uh, one definition of preaching is that I need to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, right? Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. But I want this series on the whole to be inspiring and helpful. To give you grace to persevere in the calling that God has called you to. I know that your job is hard. And I know that following Christ on your job is even harder. But God offers the grace to hang on, hold on, and even thrive. So in fact, we're going to end each week of this series with the same benediction. A prayer I'm going to pray over you from Psalm 90, verse 17, which says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And what better day to start a series like that than Labor Day weekend when the day that we celebrate the gift of work and the contribution that labor makes to our society. So let's focus now, let's drill down now on Colossians chapter 3, which is our new Hide the Word section. I told Marilyn we'd be doing verses 23 and 24, which is the new Hide the Word verse. But I'd like to expand this morning and start up in verse 22 and go through chapter 4, verse 1. All of that's on Pew Bible, page 1167. Follow along with me as I read. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a Master in heaven. Would you pray with me? Lord, give me grace and strength. I've been ill and I've been sick and I've been tired. And I feel good this morning. Help me, Lord, to use all of the strength that I have to preach Your Word faithfully. Because I can't do anything of eternal value apart from You. No matter how strong I feel naturally and physically. 
Your work is a spiritual work, and it must be accomplished by spiritual means. So, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts as we listen to Your Word. Impress upon us the truth of Your Word. Help us to apply it and work out how it, how it affects all of our life. Especially what we're going to do tomorrow through Friday or whenever it is we do our work. Lord, change our mind and change our hearts and change our world through what we do with our work life. Give us new perspectives, your perspective on our work. We pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if you're at all like me, when you read this passage, you immediately get hung up by the first word. Slaves. Does this mean that the Bible condones slavery? Because here it says that these Christian slaves were to be obedient in everything. And that's a very good and a very important question. And the best answer is long and complex. And not what I'm preaching on this morning. One thing that makes it difficult is that when we think slave here in the U.S., we have all this history in America. We immediately think of somebody who's black. Enslaved in the South before the Civil War. And most of that slavery was called chattel slavery and it was built on the sin of man-stealing, kidnapping. But most of the slaves that Paul is addressing here in the Roman context in the first century were in a very different kind of slavery than the Old South. It wasn't based on race. It was in many cases an economic arrangement. You could use yourself as collateral on a loan and sell your services to get out of debt. Or you were enslaved because your nation had been conquered so you were put into these master-slave relationships for work and to be bound to an employer. In most cases in the Roman world, it wasn't nearly as bad and evil a situation as what we think about in our American history. Not that you would want to be a slave per se. It was always better to be free. But it wasn't such an evil institution that needed to be so strongly opposed. Paul tells slaves elsewhere to get out of that arrangement if they can, as soon as they can. And he seeds, he puts the seeds of, of global emancipation in the New Testament as well. But I'm not preaching on slavery this morning. If you have more questions about that, I'd love to talk further about that subject at another time. What I want us to do this morning is to put our name as a worker in that word slave in verse 22 and apply all of verses 22 through 25 to us today. Because Paul was introducing a different perspective on work here in these verses. A different perspective than most slaves would have ever heard. And a different perspective on work work than the world offers us today. What does the world tell us about our work today? Well, one thing we hear is live for the weekends, right? I mean, you've got to do that job thing, sure, but live for the weekends. That's where life is. Work is a necessary evil. On the other side, our, our world often also tells us that work is something to give your whole life to, to worship your work, to make it an idol. And that's wrong as well. And here's the amazing life-changing perspective that Paul wants these Christian workers to gain for their lives. 
Okay, you ready for this? It's the point of this morning. So if you're tuning in, tune in now. If you're planning to tune out later, tune in now. It's the underlying point of the sermon series all fall, and it's this. These slaves needed to know that the Lord Jesus Christ was their true boss. And that's what we need to know. The Lord Jesus Christ is your true boss. We are working for the Lord. Did you hear it when I read the verses? How many times has Paul used the word kurios, Lord? Let's read them one more time. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. The actual Greek word there is kurios, lords. In everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. There's our title for the sermon and the series. Not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance, where? From the Lord as a reward. And just in case you missed it, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Not very often he's called that, Lord Christ, in the New Testament. But instead of just saying you're serving Christ, he throws it in again. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. So, if you're paying attention, raise your hand if you work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you just are uh, cussed and you don't play along, right? Everybody should have raised their hand, right? Whether you're second grader, third grader, fourth grader, retired, self-employed, unemployed, you are working for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there are some people who think that only pastors or missionaries are working for the Lord. And there's a theological word for that idea. Baloney. Whatever you do as your work, your ultimate boss is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So, second, third, and fourth graders, who's your boss? The Lord Jesus Christ. Is it your teacher or your mommy or your daddy? Yes, they're your boss with a a small b. You do work for them. But who is your true boss? Your boss's boss. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's true for second, third, and fourth graders, how much more is it true for those of us who work, those of you who work out there in the world? Who is your boss? Your true boss? It is the Lord Christ you're serving. He is the one for whom you should do your work. Does that change anything? Does that color anything? If you're retired or unemployed, you still have a boss. Sorry to tell you, Blair. You're still under authority. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. And whether you work in the prison or the church office or the hospital or the school or the woods, your true boss is still Jesus Christ. Does that change things? Does that give a different perspective on our work, on what you're going to do tomorrow, first thing? In our family, my extended family, we like to joke that my boss never lets me have Christmas or Easter off. I always have to work those holidays. But the Lord is not just my boss, is He? He's just as much your boss as He is mine. 
Were these slaves, pastors, and missionaries on the payroll of some church? No. But they were working for the Lord. You hear it yet? Do I need to say it again? We're going to hear it over and over again this fall. Working for the Lord. And that colors everything about our work lives. I see at least four ways that we should now work here in this passage because we have this lordship perspective on our work. The first one is this, sincerely. Because Jesus Christ is our true boss, we should work sincerely. Look again at verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Sincerely here means conscientiously, with pure motives, with singleness of heart. It means to really mean to work. I'll say that again. It means to really mean to work. And it's contrasted with those who work only when the boss is watching. You know anybody like that? Paul uses this word, ophthalmoduleia. You hear ophthalmologist in there? I. And dulia is slave. So I slave, I work. Uh, The old King James, I think, says I service. I think Paul actually made this word up. It didn't appear anywhere until uh, Colossians. Okay? I think he made this word up. And it means to work when somebody's watching. I've done that. When I was a student back at Moody Bible Institute, I worked on the grounds crew. Some of you are going to be surprised at this, but it was my job to mow the lawn and to trim hedges. And our supervisor was a guy named Tom. Now, when Tom was around, work bustled. Okay, The second he came on the scene... We were busy, you know, we were clipping, we were mowing, we were trimming things, right? And there, there, there was this plant all around campus called Euonymus coloradous. I hated Euonymus coloradous, okay? Ground cover, that's it, ground cover. And it was our job to cut it in a certain way, okay? We weren't allowed to just clip off the top. We had to clip it off behind a leaf, Okay? So it was pretty. So when you went by, you saw all leaves. Okay? I hated Euonymus Coloradoist. Now when Tom had moved off and was checking on other people, our work slowed down. Okay? Now we didn't take a break. You know, it wasn't like we just stopped, but it was like, clip. You know, did you see the other day when, clip. You know, and then Tom would come back around and we'd be like, clip, 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 clip. Right? Can you identify? Now, what if we had thought not so much about Tom, but about the Lord Christ? How about you and your job? What you're going to do tomorrow at work? Are you doing your work just because the boss is around? Or we say just because you're on the clock? Or just because you're going to get paid? And if you didn't, you wouldn't? Let me tell you something. Your boss is always around. Sincerely. Not to gain the favors of others, people, but with sincerity of heart. And number two, he says, reverently. Verse 22, we should work with reverence for the Lord. Now the Greek word here is fabumenoi. Doesn't that sound like fun? Go ahead, say it to your neighbor, you want to. Fabumenoi. Sounds like boom, right? Fabumenoi. 
Phobos, we get the word phobia from that, right? Something you're afraid of, right? So this literally means to fear the Lord. Now, sometimes when we say fear the Lord, we think, ah, you know, frightened, ah, monster. No, God's not a monster. But we do stand in awe of Him. It means to worship Him. Do you think of your work as worship? We're going to talk about this more in the weeks to come, but our work is a form of worship, no matter what you do. We live out the fear of the Lord when we do our work reverently. So that's not just me up here leading worship on a Sunday morning. Or Cody. Thank you, Cody, for leading our singing now. I count like the last 12 worship services. You've led all of the singing. Thank you. But, but that's not all the worship that goes on. Whatever you're going to do Monday through Friday, and whenever you do your work, that's worship. Or at least, it should be. Trucking. Nursing. Building, teaching, selling, harvesting, shipping, typing, creating, producing, protecting, rescuing. This week marks the 14th anniversary of 9-11. And we remember those firefighters especially who ran into the devastation to save lives. And if they were doing that because they belonged to Jesus, it was worship. We're to do our work reverently, worshipfully, fearfully of the Lord. And part of that is caring about the quality of it. Because the inspector with a capital I isn't Inspector 12. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. How would you do your work if you knew the Lord was going to be inspecting it? Do you offer up your work as worship to the Lord Jesus? So second graders, third graders, fourth graders, when you do your schoolwork for Jesus, you're worshiping Him. When you're teaching school, Cheryl, and you're pouring out your heart teaching, it's science, right? Biology? Yeah. Ew. When you're teaching that, and you're doing it for Jesus, you're worshiping. Vanessa, when she's crying and you're feeding her again and you're changing her again and you're putting her down again and you're doing that for Jesus, that's worship. You can apply it to wherever you, whatever you do all day. It's worship. Reverently for the Lord. Reverently. Number three is wholeheartedly. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. See where he says, with all your heart? Literally, that word is out of yourself or out of your soul. Throw yourself into your work and do it, we say, heartily. Why? Because you love your work? Maybe. But even if you don't, you love your Lord. So do it heartily. You're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you remember anything from this morning's message, remember this. You're working for the Lord. No matter what your job is. Maybe it's digging ditches. Maybe it's taking out the garbage. Maybe it's flipping burgers. Whatever you do, he says, do it wholeheartedly for your Lord. Because He wants your whole heart. And because it will bring Him glory. Paul just used this phrase, whatever you do, earlier in this chapter. Look up at verse 17. See what he says there. And whatever you do, same phrase in Greek, whether in word or deed, deed, works, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's how we need to learn to think about our work. Back in 1993, I joined a circus. Many of you know that. You know that story. Some of you don't. I was a sophomore in college who had just a month before proposed marriage to a beautiful young lady from Western Canada. And then I ran off and became a juggler for the circus, which traveled up and down the eastern seaboard doing at least one show a day. Now, if you think I'm crazy, understand she said yes and then kept on saying yes. Being on the circus was hard work. You know, it sounds like fun, right? It's the circus. Woo! Right? Well, it's fun for the people who come to watch, but it is work for the people on the circus. I have seldom worked as hard as I did in the summer of 1993. We traveled in a caravan with a box truck full of circus equipment. Okay? It was, uh, I'm going to say it was a, you're going to laugh, you guys that know trucks, I'm going to say it was 24 feet long. Does that, does that sound good for a, a truck? Yes? No? Okay. It was this big box truck like a U-Haul, but it was, we had it on permanent loan for the summer or permanent rent for the summer. And it was full of all this heavy circus gear, trampolines and mats. And, you know, we put up this great big thing that uh, the lady would suspend from upside down and we'd spin her around, you know, trapeze kind of stuff, all that sort of thing. Then we had a 15-seat passenger van and two Ford LTDs with 400,000 miles on them apiece. Okay, they were from the 1970s, and you can just guess we had a few breakdowns along the way. We'd stop at least once a day and get the whole thing out, set it up, do our show, then take the whole things down, put it back in the, tr- in the truck, and it only went in a certain way, so we had to bring everything in in a certain way, okay? and then travel to the next place. They promised you three meals. They didn't promise you when you'd have them. One time supper was like 11 o'clock at night, fried chicken at 11 o'clock at night. Okay? And it had been hours and hours since we ate, and I was a sophomore in college. All right. So you get the picture? It's a lot of work. I decided on my first day on the circus to not talk to anyone about Jesus until someone of them asked me about Him. Here's how I was going to do that. I decided I was not going to bring up Jesus. I was just going to live and work for Jesus wholeheartedly and wait for them to talk to me. It took about one week. Here's how I did it. Whenever someone asked me to do something, no matter how menial it was, no matter how hard it was, to move some heavy piece of circus equipment or to do the same tiring job, even though it wasn't my turn... I jumped up as if Jesus had asked me to do it. 
I just thought, what if Jesus was the one asking me to do that job? How would I act? How would you act? How fast would I go? With what attitude would I work? And it took about one week for my friends on the circus to say, okay, all right, there's something different about you. What's going on? The leader of that circus was very religious. He was a minister, actually, but he didn't believe that the Bible was the Word of God, that it was supernatural. And this man gave me, and therefore my Lord, one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. He said, Matt, you are the first fundamentalist, and by that he meant Bible believer, whom I have ever met that lived out what he preaches. And I say, praise the Lord. Jesus got glory through that. Wholehearted service to Him through earthly masters. Now, I'm not saying that it will work out every time like we want. If we just do that, then the world's going to start knocking on our door and turning to Christ. But the Bible is saying here that we need to work wholeheartedly in whatever we are called to do because we aren't doing it for men, but working for the Lord. So what about you? Are you a wholehearted worker? Now I confess that since 1993, I haven't done that like I did that first week on the circus. There are times when I don't want to do my job and times when I've done my job very poorly indeed. How about you? Are you working sincerely? Reverently? Wholeheartedly? And if not, what needs to change? And how? One last way we work because of this Christ-centered perspective, and that's expectantly. Look at verse 24. Expectantly. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for men, not for, working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. I've got good news for you this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ is an awesome boss. He really takes care of His employees. Work hard because you know that you will be rewarded. That's what He's saying. Work expectantly. Expect that there will be an amazing payoff to your work. See how amazing that is for these slaves? I mean, these slaves that Paul was writing to had no inheritance to look forward to. They weren't the sons of the family. They were the slaves. And while they would have been taken care of, fed and clothed and sheltered, and many of them even paid, we need to understand that, many of them were paid. You could be a doctor or an administrator and also be a slave. Again, it's an economic reality. It's not the same thing one for one as what we saw in the the, uh, pre-Civil War South. So most of them would have been paid something. But the rewards of being a slave were minimal at best. But Paul was promising them great reward for just doing their slave tasks. For Jesus' sake. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. And He rewards. Now some people think that we shouldn't do what is right for a reward. But the Bible, as if we should just go about dispassionately, disinterestedly working. But the Bible is different than that. The Bible talks about rewards all the time. 
The Bible constantly holds out to us rewards to do our motiv- as our motivation to do what is right. The rewards are mostly eternal. We don't get them right away. But they are more real than what we see here every day. So it doesn't really matter how much you make. If you're a second grader, you're probably not pulling down the big bucks. Right? It doesn't matter whether you're working a great paying job or minimum wage. He says, do it for the Lord and expect great reward. Because that's the kind of Lord we have. What kind of Lord do you have? Is he stingy? Your boss, does he pay well? What are the benefits like? Are there bonuses? What's the retirement plan like? Now see, it works both ways here, this lordship thing. Verse 25 is true as well. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Our boss is very fair. He brings justice. Injustice will not stand. We see lots of injustice in our world today. Read the newspaper. You see injustice. Okay? But it will not stand. All the scales will be righted. Justice will be done and will be seen to be done. Our boss is very fair. And workers need to know that. And bosses do too. Because our Lord is the boss of the bosses. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a Master, a Lord in heaven. There will be accountability for our work and for the management of our work. And there are some bosses I don't want to be in their shoes when they have to give an account of what they did as boss. We should expect it. We should not live for the here and now, but for the the then and forever. And for Him. Expectantly. Our gracious Lord loves to hand out rewards. So we should work hard. Christians should be the hardest workers. Sincerely, reverently, wholeheartedly. Not because of the little paycheck at the end of the week or month. But because of the payoff to come when our gracious Lord Jesus starts handing out the eternal bonuses. Does that change your perspective at all? It should shape our perspective every day for what we do. Because it is the Lord Christ we are serving. Working for the Lord.